Welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Cassidy Travel on a Wednesday night as we look ahead to the Thursday night slate. Uh, Michael McQuaid joined by Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, uh, Mark Cockerell and also senior NFL writer at The Athletic, uh, Keelan Keelan Keeler. Keelan, I just realised I pronounced your surname wrong. I'm so sorry. We're live right now. It's a no, very, very warm welcome. Yeah, Kaler is right. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. I'm delighted I got that correct. And a very, very <laughs> warm welcome. Uh, Keelan, tell us about uh, about yourself. Have you any relations to, to Ireland? Have you been to Ireland before? Um, I have, actually. I've been to um, Dublin. And I think I went to, uh, is Kilkenny near Dublin? Yeah. Uh, kind of, like an hour, two hours south? Yeah, about, about an hour, an hour and a half, maybe. Okay, that's close. What are you guys talking about? That's very close. That's a short drive. Um, I've never been yeah. to I've never been to Kilkenny in my life. I'm just gonna put that <laughs> so out there. So. I've been there too, and also I Irish dance uh, my whole life basically, and I currently am an Irish dance teacher as my side hustle, um, aside from covering the NFL. So last night is it Wednesday? Yeah, last night I was teaching Irish dance for four hours. So I am spiritually very Irish, even though I'm not super biologically Irish. I'm like 6% Irish or something very small. Uh, you see, Kayla, in the American context of how far something is in Irish context, you can drive <laughs> yeah. you can drive the entire island in like six hours. Uh, six hours wouldn't get you anywhere in, in Texas. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a little bit different. But um, as Michael said, we are delighted to, to have you on. And it's impressive that you have a side hustle given um the your your work in terms of obviously you've come through when uh, Monday morning QB you worked with Peter King for a time and obviously yeah. now now with the athletic and um you had a really kind of interesting piece last week around kind of um, rookie head coaches play calling situational coaching and stuff uh, like that we will get to Nathaniel Hackett maybe a, a little bit later yeah but one of the coaches who maybe didn't feature in that piece quite as prominently, but whose team we will see tomorrow and who has been very successful through the first three weeks is Mike McDaniel and uh, and those Dolphins. And I'm just interested, I suppose, in your take in what McDaniel has been able to, to do with um, the team there, I suppose, and, in, and Tua and the weapons uh, that he has, but he has beaten Belichick, he's beaten Harbaugh, and he's beaten Sean McDermott. Yeah, it's been really impressive. I think um, this last week's win was obviously the most impressive um, because the Bills had been just shellacking every opponent this year so far. Um, And obviously, you know, it had just been two games of their utter dominance, but they had been extremely dominant. And I found myself thinking, is anyone going to beat the Bills this year? Like, are is this going to be an undefeated team? Because they just looked so good. So I think Sunday's game was really the most impressive for the Dolphins. And I actually still need to, it's on my to-do list. I So much has been going on this week. I'm working on a Brett Favre story, so it's been kind of crazy. But um, anyways, uh, I, I, I was at the Bears game on Sunday, which was going on at the same time as the Dolphins game. So I actually didn't get to keep a very close eye on that game, but, and I, it's on my list to go back and watch like the condensed version on game pass, because I was looking at the stats after the game. And I've already said this on like two radio hits and podcasts this week, but I just still can't get over it. And if you look at the stats of 
of the Bills offense from that game, you would think they won by 40 points because the Bills had 400 passing yards. The Dolphins had, I think, 197, so half of that. The Bills had 31 first downs. The Dolphins had 16, again, half. Um, They had 90 offensive plays, which is the craziest stat to me because, as we all know, I'm sure everyone watching this knows, you usually have, like, 50 offensive plays, somewhere around 50. Like, 60 would be, like, a lot. So, 90 is just incredible. Like, think of your defense being on the field for 90 plays. It's amazing. That was the really – I think that impresses me the most is that you can have your opponent have stats like that, and yet you somehow came away with the win. Um, that I mean, that's just kind of mind-blowing. So – and particularly because they play in Miami where it was like 90 degrees. I mean, and they're playing again tomorrow night. So tomorrow is going to be tough, but I, I think I would pick the Dolphins. I, I'd pick the Dolphins tomorrow night. Ken, yeah, my question is around the Bengals, the, the opponents tomorrow. There's been, a, I suppose, a mixed reaction to their start of the season. Some feel it's a Super Bowl hangover. Zach Taylor has been challenged around his play calling. The offensive line last season was erratic. They got to the Super Bowl, but it came back to haunt them in the Super Bowl. And whilst they did a lot in free agency, it hasn't really materialized on the on the field just yet. What's your overall thoughts so far on how the Bengals have progressed? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first couple of weeks, were they were close losses at least. So it wasn't like they were getting blown out. But I think I was most concerned about, um, really for like the last two years, the, the Bengals had been starting really slow on offense. Um, I don't have the story in front of me, but if you guys are interested, uh, uh, I think it was Jay Morrison who covers the Bengals for the athletic. He had a, a interesting breakdown last week of the Bengals offense on the first two drives of every game versus like drives three through 10 of every game. And their performance was noticeably like a lot worse on the first two drives of the game, which I thought was concerning for a couple of reasons, um, because those really should be some of your best drives in the game, because it's your scripted drives where you have sat down with your head coach, your offensive coordinator, and if you're the quarterback and you've all gotten in the same room, you've been like, yep, these are the, you know, these are the 20 plays that we really like. Um, and so theoretically, like those should be the ones that work for you. And so the fact that those really weren't working for Cincinnati, I thought that was a little bit concerning. And I, I thought, I mean, I was one of the people who was saying like, oh, maybe Zach Taylor should think about delegating play calling. Um, because, you know, defenses have kind of figured them out. And over the last, over the first two games and last week, I mean, they're playing like 2D, um, with their safeties. So preventing anything getting deep down the field, keeping everything in front of them. And it just seemed like they were really struggling to adapt to that. Um, And theoretically, if the defense is playing that way, you should be able to run the ball better, but they also weren't running the ball better. So there was a lot of concerning things with that offense. And I do think the offensive line is going to slowly improve. It kind of reminds me of the chiefs last year who was it last year? Was that was last year after their Super Bowl loss, right? Yeah. Um, I'm like, am I missing a season? Um, but after the Chiefs lost to the Bucks, they they did a lot to rework that offensive line. And I do think it took probably until kind of the midpoint of last season for that offensive line to really um 
show noticeable improvement because so much of that is about communication and being comfortable um, with each other and just, you know, more experience. So I think the Bengals will probably be okay. Um, yeah, I think they'll probably be okay. And I think for the time being with that win on Sunday, Zach Taylor kind of got us off his back for a second. <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. Um, Kaylin, I'm just glad if you're doing a story on Brett Favre, the volleyball isn't your side hustle, but Irish dancing is. That's <laughs> probably safer. Um, yeah. You mentioned Miami there, and you mentioned also about play calling. And I kind of want to turn your attention to uh, the AFC West, which before the season started, with general understanding, uh, everyone was raving about the best division in football. Obviously, some huge off-season moves going on there. But we turn to it, and yes, it's only been three weeks, but the Chiefs just got humbled last week. The Chargers resemble a mass unit. The Broncos' offense isn't performing, though their defense certainly is. And we're not really quite sure what's going on in Las Vegas generally. I mean, what's your take on this? Is it going to improve and we're going to see the dynamic teams that everyone predicted the start of the season? Or is it that we just had it all wrong and it's going to be a slog for the rest of the year? Wait, what did you say the Chargers resemble? A MASH unit. I was using MASH, the 50s show in Vietnam, oh. Mobile Surgical Hospital. Yeah, I know. I'm so, I'm showing my age here, Caleb. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, is that an Irish reference? That I don't it, know. We'll, we'll go ER. I have no idea. There you go. That's more up to date. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah. Um, I, yeah, the Chargers... The Chargers are just a cursed franchise, clearly. Um, the the injuries there to key significant players is really a bummer because, like, I I mean, I still think they're my – I don't know. I mean, I picked them – I didn't write this anymore, but in my mind I picked them as a Super Bowl team this year. Like, I was, like, really high on them because I think Brandon Staley is a really good coach and Justin Herbert is, like, my favorite quarterback in the league. So – I was super excited about them this season, and I still think they can get there. Um, I'm I'm now just concerned about all the injuries, obviously. And, you know, I don't know. It's an interesting debate to have. We were debating on Slack. Like, is are you could we ever be able to prove that like a certain team is more injured consistently than others? And then why is that? And there is a website that does track like really detailed. Um injury i think it's called uh what is it called man man something i don't i don't remember the full name of it but you can pay a subscription and they have like some insane injury data for every team where they're tracking it over years um and so i think you could probably build an argument that might show you that like yes the charges are more injured than like your average nfl team season over season um, but also this stuff is so random because you saw the Ravens last year get absolutely obliterated by injury and like, who knows? There's not really a pattern there. Anyways, that's a long way to say that I'm really sad about the Chargers because I was super excited about that team and still still am, but I hope they can get it, get things back healthy. Um, the Raiders confuse me and I think it's just uh, like, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on there. I mean, last year they were a playoff team. And they had an interim staff and had like so much turmoil during that season with Henry Ruggs and John Gruden and just so much going on yet. It was still a playoff team. Um, so it's strange to me that they make, you know, the head coaching hire that they really want to make, they decide not to keep Rich Basaccia, who is now in green Bay. 
um, as their special teams coordinator and things just have gotten a lot worse. So, uh, but, but McDaniels is such a good offensive coordinator. So it's like, what is happening? And I honestly, I, I feel like it might just be that McDaniels offense is so complicated because as soon as he left new England, like new England this summer talk, all they could talk about was how they were simplifying their offense because McDaniels had left and they could actually do that. So that, because he was there for so long, that offensive playbook, I think, became like just a monster of some really complicated um, concepts. And the the words that they used, I think, became really, really uh, difficult. And so I don't know exactly how much of that McDaniels took to Las Vegas, but it just seems like Derek Carr is really not quite comfortable with it yet. Um, and it also seems like frustration is definitely mounting, at least from what Devontae Adams has been um, saying in his press conferences. He seems to be really frustrated with the way that they can't finish games. Um, the Broncos, I mean, it, it was better, I guess, on Sunday, but it was still terrible. They're just lucky that they played the Niners, who – wouldn't let their quarterback join training camp for the entire time. So he has like no chemistry with, with his offense anymore. Um, yeah. I don't know about the Broncos. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Hackett was a one year head coach and then is fired at the end of the season. And it might not even necessarily be because he's like bad. I think it might just be because they had an ownership change. And if ownership doesn't see, what they want to see in the first year, they might be like, we're going to start over. Um, and I do think Hackett, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I don't have any reporting on this, but it makes a lot of sense that Hackett would have been hired there under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers was going to follow him. And when Aaron Rodgers doesn't follow him, he becomes a little bit less valuable. So I wouldn't be surprised if it really turned into like a one year thing in Denver. Um, I think it's good that he hired Jerry Rosberg to help him with game management. Uh, the he, He's a retired head coach who was a special teams coach for the Ravens for a long time. And he just joined their staff um, last week. So he was helping out on sun, on Sunday night. Uh, I think that was a really good idea. Uh, which team didn't I talk about yet? We did Raiders, Chargers, Chargers. Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the Chiefs will be fine. Uh, you know, I think. They're figuring it out without Tyreek Hill, and we've seen Ty we've seen how valuable Tyreek Hill is now that he's in Miami and has really elevated that offense. But I think the Chiefs will be okay. Uh, I'm not really I'm not really concerned about them. One team that I'm not concerned about, actually, do you know what I have to address this? The whole Russell Wilson subway thing. Has everybody seen that <laughs> over the last? Yeah. That's incredible. That's <laughs> unbelievable Chiefs, yeah. stuff best content I've seen this season and it's probably better than anything, than anything he's done in the field so far uh, okay <laughs> one team that's doing really well is the Eagles uh, they're flying yeah. like my god are you surprised at how well they've done so far Kaelin and do you think they can take it up a level because their schedule over the next four to five weeks is um, favourable with a capital F <laughs> um, I'm a little bit surprised like that they are uh, 3-0 um, I don't know that I would have predicted that as the start of the season, I mean, I'm pretty sure I would have predicted them as a playoff team, but um, this is a really, really good start. And I think the most impressive aspect of it is how Jalen Hurts has developed in, in the passing game and as a passer, um, because this is a player who literally transferred to 
from Alabama to Oklahoma because they didn't believe in him as a passer. They didn't think he could throw. And NFL teams were kind of evaluating him as a tailback and not a quarterback. So this is a player who his whole career has really had to prove himself in that area and fight against that you know, view that people have of him. Um, and so that's been the most impressive thing to me because uh, his passing stats are really well. I actually have his first half um, his first half passing stats from week two and week three in front of me right now because they've been kind of slow in the second half. Like, I think the Eagles, I don't know how many points they've scored in the second half of games, but they've been they've been noticeably better in the first half of games. And his his first half stats in week three, 18 of 27, 279 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 137.7 quarterback rating. So really good stuff. Um, so he's really improved. And I think that's the part that surprises me the most. I mean, they did make some really great moves in the off season, like bringing in AJ Brown. That, that was great. And so you knew they were going to have a little bit more uh, firepower on the offense, but I didn't know exactly how, you know, Jalen Hurts development was going to continue to progress. So that's been fun to watch. And I suppose, Gillen, they're going to be going up uh, in a bit of a revenge match for uh, for Doug this uh, weekend with uh, the the Jags. And if you've been surprised by the Eagles a little bit, have you been surprised by the 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 way in which Doug has been able to turn around the Jags so quickly, or was it that always likely to to be the case given the kind of circus that was Urban Meyer's ill fated tenure? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence should be good. And it, it was surprising last year that he wasn't good. Um, that's more surprising than him, like, actually being, like, a functional quarterback now. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really surprised that Doug Peterson was able to do that because he has he's already an experienced head coach. And, I mean, it was so bad last year. Like, it was so bad that the bar was just so low. But anyone who was just a normal person, um, you know, any any coach, I mean, they could have hired any former head coach, I think, and be getting similar results um, because it was just so terrible under Urban Meyer. So I'm not actually that surprised, but I do think Doug Peterson was a really good hire because – He's got the experience. He's, you know, offensive minded. He's that former quarterback guy. So I do think that was a really good hire for them. And that'll be an interesting game. But I'm not overall, I'm not surprised. Okay, and Colin mentioned circus. We've we've had the Tom Brady circus for eight, nine months now. Retirements, unretirement, takes 10 days off during <laughs> training camp. Now he has every Wednesday off. Um, what's your take on it? Because obviously the offense has started very slowly and some people are suggesting Brady's just, his head is not in the game, but obviously they've got a lot of injuries. Is it a mixed bag or do you feel Brady's just not at the kind of intensity that we're used to seeing in terms of his commitment to the situation? I do think like something weird is going on with him. Um, and I think it's probably just the fact that he can't quit football. Like he literally cannot, even if it would be the best thing for him, like he cannot quit unless he's, going to win again but I don't know even if he wins again I don't think he's going to quit so I, I don't know what the answer for I don't know what this man is looking for but um he's clearly 
uh, I think he's clearly different. Like, I, like what you just mentioned, like, I don't think he's all in, in the way that he has been in the past. Um, and that's something he would always say when he was going through, you know, am I coming back or not? He'd be like, well, if I can't be all in, I'm not coming back. But I think now we do see him having come back and not being all in. All in. And he's making, and as he should, he's making some compromises to, you know, spend more time with his family or spend more time with his wife or what, whatever it is. Those are the compromises that he's making, which is like a healthy decision. But um for a football team that, you know, it seems like a lot of guys on that team came back this season because they, because Tom decided to come back and they're kind of throwing it all in for one more run at a Super Bowl. I don't know if it's going to work in the long run if he's not all in. So something weird is going, I think something weird is going on there. I don't know exactly what, but I don't feel great about it. Oh, their defense has been amazing. I'll say that. Their defense has been stunning um, for through the first three weeks. They've been doing some really cool stuff. Like they had Vita Vea dropping back into coverage on Sunday night, which was like amazing. He's this giant man. Um, and he made a great play. So that was like really cool. So I'm into the Bucks defense. I don't, I'm not really into their offense right now. Uh, Kaylin, I was going to make a reference to a song called Money by Pink Floyd, but I'm going to maybe say uh, it's all about the price tag by Jesse J to bring a bit more up today. Uh, and the biggest price tag in the NFL is the price of quarterbacks. And I know it's not in season, but we're already fascinated with the, how it's going to play out next season. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are going to be uh, up for potential extensions, arguably, some teams might have to make a decision on people like Jalen Hurts and Tua. But for me, the most fascinating contract saga will be that of the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson and his mum, obviously helping mm -hmm. on the contract. And certainly for three weeks, he has done nothing to hurt his value in the NFL. Again, especially given the whole dynamic with Russell Wilson's contract, the, uh, you know, unusually guaranteed and structured contract given to Deshaun Watson by the Browns. You know, what's your take on how all that's going to play and what are you hearing out of Baltimore in terms of um, negotiations to take place again after the season because they didn't get it done before the season? Well, it's interesting because when Deshaun Watson first got his fully guaranteed deal, I think we all thought uh, every quarterback was going to get one and it was going to start a pattern of, these crazy fully guaranteed contracts, but two quarterbacks, two really good quarterbacks have since um, re-signed or signed extensions or done new deals. Um, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, neither of whom uh, received fully guaranteed contracts because for those guys, they, you know, weighed other parts of the deal to be more important. Um, and, you know, they're similarly lucrative, you would say, if you're comparing them. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting that we didn't see that actually become a trend yet. And I'm not sure if we will because, and I know teams are going to fight it really hard, but you have to be in a unique situation as a team to be able to have that type of cash like on hand and able to guarantee it in that way. And not every team is in a situation where they can do that. So it'll be interesting. Like I don't, I don't think the Chargers are really in a situation that they can 
guarantee that money for Justin Herbert when he's up. So it's interesting. And I think like Lamar um, is after that. Probably it seems like he's after that or something similar to that because whatever it was that the Ravens were offering him, he, he didn't think that was what he wanted. And I respect the fact that he's betting on himself. And I just really hope he doesn't get hurt because I do think it will work out for him as long as he stays healthy. I do think it will work out for him because I mean, I don't see the Ravens letting him go. I mean, I don't know why they would do that. That would be kind of silly. So I think they're just going to have to, I don't know, meet his demands or meet somewhere closer to the middle for him after this season. And if he keeps playing the way he's playing, it's, it's going to work in his favor as long as he doesn't get hurt. So hope he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, and given the some of the the injuries, obviously we've seen around the league, um, it has, hasn't been a good good week for that. But um, this has been fantastic, Gil, and we we know um, you ha- you have a, another uh, meeting that you have to jump out to. We could have kept this going, I think, <laughs> yeah. for for another uh, tw- twenty minutes easily. But we would love to have you back on uh, later in the season. And for our viewers and for people who will be listening on the podcast. Where can they find your stuff if they want to check out more? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at um, Kaylin Kaler. Um, it's spelled weird, so I'll just spell it for you. K-A-L-Y-N-K-A-H-L-E-R. Um, and then at The Athletic, you can find my work. And I'll also plug Defector, my former employer, because um, I'm wearing their shirt right now, um, because they're a really great website. Um, another subscription sports website, but it's like, stories that you're not going to find elsewhere with a really funny bend to it. So if you like humor and sarcasm and that kind of stuff, Defector is going to be your jam. And if you want uh, good reporting and uh, good columns and good insight and plugged in stuff, The Athletic is probably your jam. So, but both of them, you know, you should just subscribe to both probably. Um, But yeah, uh, thanks for having me guys. It was great to meet you all. Thanks, thanks so much, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you again uh, later in the season. Thanks, Kaylin.